0: Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 448 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd with Joe. Joe, how are we doing today?
1: I am constantly thinking about how to take or add the explicit tag to this podcast, how much work that would be. Right. But then I think how much, if we did that, if that would cost us a lot of our listener base. It's a tightrope, Todd.
0: Is it a tightrope? Well, you know what? Make it a poll on Twitter and see what happens. That's Mm. the answer to everything.
1: I already got one thing that I have to put a poll up on Twitter about. Uh Uh-oh. What we were just talking about.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Not not the last thing, but the thing before it. Oh, now I'm all confused. Yeah.
0: <sighs> so in
1: actual comic news, Todd, yes. print, the print media, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, what do we got on the show this week?
0: It was like me on my feet at a wedding reception. Very light news. <laughs> we have both a new book from DC and also DC might be pushing back some books. It That's neither here nor there. Also we have uh digital books and freebies, con news, what we read last week, which was criminal number four, Ascender number one, and Heroes in Crisis number eight.
1: Todd, did you get my text about that?
0: Uh, I did get your text, and you were not the only one. Woo-hoo. Okay. But um uh, what we're looking forward to this week, there's a couple omissions from our list that I'm shocked about, but anyway. Um also, uh, we have uh, Todd's Art attack, and at the end, we're going to have uh, talk of three—not one, not two, but three shows. We have Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and you did watch uh, Cloak and Dagger,
1: right? I certainly did. Now, right. obviously, as you may have heard here, there's a little something missing from this. Uh, of course, with Avengers: Endgame coming out just this past weekend. Uh, If we had to have that be part of this show, the discussion of that, of course, be part of this show, we'd be talking about an over three-hour-plus show, I'm certain. So Todd and myself, along with uh, co-host of At Odds with Wrestling, Adam, recorded something extra. It's over in the After Dark feed if you want to hear our opinions on Endgame After Dark. Uh Again, it's on the After Dark feed, so it does get a little blue, if you will, mm-hmm. Uh, but it's blue from excitement. And, um, what is it? It's over on the after dark feed, gets a little blue. And of course, spoilers ahoy. I think that's a minute (laughs) in and spoilers start. So that's right. Can't get away
0: from it though. But that's the whole point of those, 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 uh, when we review stuff like that, that we say it right up front.
1: Exactly. So no end game talk here. Go check it out over on after dark. Let's get into the news, of course. Uh, So, it's all DC news, of course. Surprisingly, things were quiet as we just had Endgame come, and we have free comic book day coming soon. I'm sure, as this episode goes live, and some less-than-scrupulous retailers get their free comic book day stuff, if they don't already have them, start thumbing through them for, like, the spoilers and the future storyline stuff that's going to be given away in a lot of those.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure that our local retailer gets the free comic book days free comic book issues like weeks before they have them sometimes he has to sit on them and he gets upset because he doesn't have room to store them
1: it's a lot of books i know our uh, local retailer does a brisk business
0: yes has a sign that says three books per person but that doesn't stop people from doing the whole arm scoop thing that's you know Mm. which is always my favorite. And it's fun to see the people who who work there, from people who might wear jeans that are skinny to bass players who all handle it very different differently. Who's assertive and who's not so assertive.
1: I'm just gonna say that pretty much the entire staff allows Mm -hmm. one certain podcast host to kinda come and go as they please. I'm not gonna say who. Adam. No, I'm just uh, But I will actually be at the shop this weekend. Kind of late, but uh, I will be there.
0: Well, kind of late. Oh, then you might see me because I never go early. Mm-hmm. Because it's... It, Joe, I don't know how... What's the earliest you've ever been at the free comic book day at the shop?
1: I think one time when Asa was two or three, we were there right when the shop opened. It's... Cri-
0: that was, I would say, what was that, like four years ago then? Yeah. What's say now, six? He's seven. Seven. I was close, you gotta give me credit. Um I would I mean, it's only gotten crazier, Joe. Like uh-huh. I, I don't go down until like two, three o'clock because I don't need it, you know? I don't need throwing elbows. And like you said, somebody might pull his three on the Friday night when they're going out on the table before they close up. <laughs>
1: Uh, but anyway, free comic book day, of course, if you have a local shop in your area or you've never been to the local shop in your area, go to freecomicbookday.com, put your zip code in and it will tell you where in the nearest vicinity a comic book shop is and uh, go out there, support comics. Don't just be a freeloader and take stuff off the table because any good retailer worth their salt is going to have some sort of sales or some other things going on.
0: Yes, that's the one thing. Is there, This is one of the biggest days for like a brick-and-mortar comic book store, man.
1: So, Sales. with that being said, uh, light news week, of course. I'm sure we'll get a lot more news next week. One of the DC announcements is that there is going to be yet another Batman-Superman book, a joint book between arguably two of their biggest names. Uh, you know, Wonder Woman's creeping up there, I'd say. Uh, Polka Dot Man I saw was in the news this past weekend, so I think maybe he's a guy now. Uh, Polka Dot Man? (laughs) What?
0: Polka Dot Man?
1: Polka Dot Man. Okay. He was cast in the, uh, Suicide Squad movie.
0: Oh, that's right! Okay, yes.
1: Uh, written by Josh Williamson, who does the Flash book, with art, by David Marquez. And they're kind of touting this as a big deal because this will be the first work that Marquez has ever done for DC. Oh, cool. Uh, but it also spins out of the current events of the Batman Who Laughs series written by Scott Snyder. So I only bring this up because I feel as though we've been here dozens of times before, during, and after the Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice movie. And I feel as though these Batman and Superman joint books never quite work out the way I think. DC expects them to. That,
0: well, it depends on how far back you go. That one that was drawn by McGinnis and who was writing it, Jeff Loeb. Right. That was pretty big for a little
1: while. Right. Okay. So that was pretty big for a while. I think that was in 2006. Right. So they've tried it multiple times over the last 13 years and they've never been able to recapture that magic.
0: Right. And they've, and, and, and Batman, Superman at that time didn't capture world's finest. You know, like that was a, a, for the, for the longest time. But it's like anything. It's, they're, they're, it's gonna come around again and again and again because it sold once. And it'll sell again someday. Right. But, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna keep trying. I know what you're saying. As we get older, Joe, uh, it just seems like we've seen it all before. But to somebody, this is like the coolest thing ever because it's the first, and they're
1: gonna put Batman and Superman in a book. I'll take it. Right, an evil, spiky Batman Joker is the villain. <gasps> now, I I will say this: those David, that David Marquez uh, promotional art wraparound cover, whatever it is mm-hmm. that they released, looks pretty neat, and David Marquez draws a pretty fancy Batman. But is David Marquez a big enough artist? to bring people in because not taking anything away from Josh, uh, Josh Williamson, he's been at DC for a long time. He's a, a good hand, if you will, in the, uh, wrestling vernacular, but he's not Tom King. He's not, uh, Jeff Johns. He's not, uh, Scott Snyder. He's not whoever I would you know, Pete Tomasi. He's not whomever that draws sales in a book.
0: I get what you're saying, but all those people who draw sales on a book now, mm-hmm. at one point didn't draw sales on a book? That's true. Some of these people, you know, some of these overnight sensations are really 6-year overnight sensation. <laughs> true. <laughs> you know, so maybe this is the maybe this is the one. Maybe the pitch was so good. Now I say this like when you when you get these books, some of them, you know, like one out of 10, you know, go stellar. But this one might. And that's the way I look at it. They, maybe they just have faith in Joshua Josh Williams, and in the, the team or whatever, and it'll work. But I know what you're saying. Like, these aren't the people that you think. But how many of those names are there? Who, like, are you going to have Jeff Johns do it? Are you going to have Tom King do that book? And then take them off the books that they're doing or not doing? you know what I mean?
1: Well, okay. So, and this is not a knock on Josh Williamson. Please don't take that wrong. I enjoy his Flash run. He did the crossover with Flash and Batman, and it was very good. This is the one. Is this the time? Is a rocket being strapped to Josh Williamson going to be the thing to catapult him to the next stratosphere? Can Mm -hmm. that be done? In the way, like, Tom King, I think, had, you know, he had his real big hit over at Marvel with the Vision maxi-series, and mm-hmm. then DC stole him up to do Batman.
0: Right. Did he do Vision first before he did Nightwing? Dick Grayson?
1: Tom King? Yeah. I don't recall Tom King doing a run on Nightwing.
0: Remember when he did that, Tom King did that run where Dick Grayson wasn't Nightwing anymore and he was the agent of
1: whatever? That was not Tom King, uh, but I know, um, the, the arc that you're talking about where it wasn't called Nightwing, it was called just Grayson. Right. I thought Tom King wrote that. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm trying to do this on my, uh, phone. Jealous so fan? it's. Oh so you know what you are correct. So he now was that be- he he did I think the tail end of it. He didn't do like the beginnings of it I guess. Mhm. Um let me see when he took it over. And he also did uh, Omega Man.
0: Right. Which I I want to say was before uh Vision. I don't know. I know that got some acclaim too okay. before cuz that got canceled and they were like, "Oh, we'll let it go 12 issues, you know what I mean?"
1: So, Grayson initially was done by Tim Seeley. Okay. And then it was toward the end when Tom King took it over. Um, let me look. Yeah, the internet's not helping me out right now. But
0: yeah, like I said, because I'm trying to figure out the timeline, you know what I mean?
1: Right, but that run on Grayson wasn't like a smash sensation, if you will.
0: Wasn't a smash sensation, I know what you're saying, but that's where mm-hmm. I think some of Tom, T- Tom King's traction came from, if you know what I'm saying.
1: I do. So, when is the time to strap the rocket to someone? How do you sta- strap the rocket to someone? Uh, I, I don't it, think you- sh- Is this too big of a book? that may overshadow um, a a writer coming out of the book. Because obviously Tom King doing kind of under-the-radar stuff, like a Grayson book or like an Omega Men book, and a Vision book over in Marvel, getting his feet under him, and then getting Batman. But then Williamson has been doing Flash. Um, So yeah, Tom King only did the last five issues of Grayson. All 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And even, like, the first three of those were co-written by Tim Seeley. Okay. Or at least they're, like, and that's, well, actually, no, not even. So, two issues, uh, 16 and 17, co-written by Tom King uh, and Tim Seeley. Issue 18, done by a completely different creative team altogether. And then 19 and, tw- and then 20 was written by Tom King. Right because so, um, right, again, piecemeal in it there. But, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. So, I don't know. I just don't feel as though – I feel as though this book is going to come and go.
0: Okay, that's the way I feel that odds favor. But, like I said, I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Tom King. But he has ground out, what, 69, 70 issues of The Flash? Yeah. Um. So, like, you're asking, when is it to strap the rocket? I think – I I don't ever think they – with with someone who's not a Tom King or a Jason Aaron at a point. like If you're there, if they they don't do that to get someone to a Tom King or a Jason Aaron, that they figure out uh, this is going to make or break them. I think they just put somebody on a book that they think is going to work, and like I said, one out of 20 times it sends somebody to the stratosphere. I don't think there's a lot of rocket strapping, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, it does, but I feel as though – uh, DC especially needs to start rocket strapping some folks.
0: I agree, but they're swoop. They're swooping them up from from like Dave Bendis, who could write twelve books a month, and I I don't think he should. But they. It seems like to me that DC has more talent when they're working uh than Marvel does. Like Mar like we said, Marvel has Jason Aaron and Dan Slott, and then who are your who are your guys after that? Your your Hickmans, you know, he's starting to come on X-Men. We'll see where that goes. But right off the bat, you have Tom King. You have Jeff Johns. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of something like Brian Michael Bendis. That's three to their two, at least, and I haven't really thought about any more, you know? Right. So Marvel should be strapping the rockets to people.
1: I get what you're saying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I just wanted to mention this, of course, just to... Address, of course, what DC is attempting to do—to make Batman Superman as a unit, a thing.
0: They need to make them fight a lot and put a V between their name, and that'll sell. Yeah. By Scott, oh Scott Snyder, put it by do it by do Batman v Superman the the Snyder cut, and it'll sell tons.
1: And call it that. Yes. Yeah. I'll trick a couple people, but I don't know exactly. how many. Yeah, and just oh my goodness, I just and and just lie and say this is the comic adaptation. Remember when they used to do comic adaptations of the movies? Yes. Just say that. They, just lie and say this is the comic adaptation of the Snyder Cut of Justice League, whether it mm-hmm. is or it isn't, and see how that sells.
0: I remember watching the uh, the Holly Berry Catwoman movie adaptation getting drawn. I'll just tell you that, and. <laughs> you'd be surprised at who was holding up that book because the likeness wasn't what they wanted.
1: Hmm. Let me look at the cast list for that film. Was it Sharon Stone? Uh, it could be. Okay. This is not a mudslinging podcast.
0: It's not, the, but it is a, at that point it's a little bit of a dirt cheat. You got some inside information there.
1: That's right. Uh, and of course, what long box heroes <laughs> news segment would not be complete. Without the staple of this podcast news segment, nay, the staple of the comic book industry, Doomsday Clock 10 Watch. doo 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 needs like a theme song or something if the show had some production values. Todd, Doomsday Clock 10 has slipped again.
0: Oh, good thing I was sitting down when you told me that.
1: Not unlike the time that the clock is named after. It keeps on slipping, slipping (laughs) into the future. (laughs) That's the theme song. (laughs) We need to get someone who is either way more musically inclined than us or way less musically inclined than us to record like a little bumper for it. I don't know. I would
0: gladly do a duet of just the catch Mm -hmm. line of that song with you. And we could just put it in every week.
1: Okay. I'm going to work on that.
0: Okay, cause, well, you won't need it much longer because that's, this is the last week it's getting
1: pushed back.
0: <laughs> and then 11 is already pushed back because, uh, 10 is pushed back. So right. at so this point,
1: t- 10 you know, got pushed back to later than the original solicitation date for 11. Right. So now 11, 11 has been moved back to August. Right. Uh, August 14th. Todd, what are the now that we have a new set of concrete dates for these two books? Yes. What are the odds that either one of these dates get hit?
0: Favorable.
1: Oh really? Favorable. Uh. I can't see it going
0: wrong at all anymore. And then like we said, we saw the solicits for the the collections in November. Now that might get pushed back to December, but I think they want them to hit for Christmas, Joe. You can't miss Christmas and Doomsday Clock. That's going to be the biggest gift of the year. Tickle me, Doomsday Clock. That's what it is.
1: Oh, Todd, it's, it's it, it, like we've discussed this before on this show and definitely on After Dark. The rule of threes when it comes to comedy. Right. And then how we get to the rules of 6 and 7 and beyond where like 4 through 6 it stops being funny and then 7 to 8 it gets funny again. Comes back around. Right. Are we back around to this being funny? Uh, Personally, I think
0: people will think it will be funny again. I think it never stopped being funny. Mm. But then that's my sense of humor is beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it some more. Think about it and then beat it some more.
1: Okay. So I don't know, Todd. The, the the more and more delays there are, the more and more my faith in this book ever coming out in the year 2019. Uh, I feel very confident that this book is not coming out. Uh, finally, issue 12 will not be in stores by the, it, it ain't making, issue 12 ain't making November. No way, in, no way at this point.
0: So how about you get, your, 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 are you confident enough to give me December? Nope. Oh, okay, so you're not 100, but you won't bet the house.
1: Well, the bet already exists Uh, from three and a half months ago.
0: Well, you can change it. No, no, no. No, the, you're then sure you to, it's you not coming out in, me, 2009, to, in
1: 2018. You have to give me odds.
0: No odds. We just move it back a month because you're sure. Nah. That's what I thought. So you still think there's a chance?
1: No, my, my original bet was uh it's you said it'll end before November. I said it won't. Let's talk next week, okay. let's talk next week.
0: Oh, so that's when now oh when the when the three month buffer starts to get closer, that's when you'll make the bet. okay, I gotcha i I see you want the 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 stone pole the stone cold lead pipe lock. You don't want to bet like a real bet in that. I get it, okay, three and a
1: half months ago, I made a real bet. right This and is I'm- you trying to amend the terms of said bet.
0: No, it isn't. This is you saying, I'm sure that we're not going to see the end of this in 2018. But when I said, Oh, you want to move the bet because you're sure? 19. Oh, no, I'm not that sure. 19. Or 2019. I'm not that sure. Right. That's, that's what we call hedging our bets.
1: 100% sure it ain't coming out in no, in, in November. 90% sure it ain't coming out oh, in December.
0: Okay. Okay. I see how you're changing. Gotcha.
1: Listen. Three and a half months ago, I said it ain't coming out in November, and that tune hasn't changed, Jack. I'm not making fun of that
0: tune. Right. I was just somebody was saying it's not coming out in
1: 2019. No, no, so, all right. So enough of this doomsday clock nonsense, and I have a note for myself to do that bumper for the uh, news <laughs> segment for next week, and the week after that, and and the week <laughs> after that as well. <laughs> Jeez. So. Uh, let's get into uh, conventions this weekend. And there's a bunch uh, all over the world, as we like to say. Uh, Canada really picking up the slack with some conventions this weekend. Uh, two biggies is uh, it two biggies? I just had it right in front of me. I'm like a dope. Um, no, 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 my apologies. Uh, one biggie, uh, the Northern Fan Con in Prince George, British Columbia where Ramon Perez and Tula Lote, she of the fantastic covers on Red Sonia during the Gail Simone run.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: then there's another convention taking place in London, the Portsmouth Comic Con. Uh, a lot of big name creators there. Uh, Roy Thomas, Stephen Englehart, Sean Phillips, Kieran Gillen, Declan Shevley. Shavley, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly either way. Uh, the Tupelo Comic Con in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, Sean Gunn of the Guardians of the Galaxy film fame, and Jerry the King Lawler is going to be there.
0: That Tupelo Con is so big, it should be called Three
1: Polo. Oh my goodness! I thought you were going to make some sort of reference to say the Exonerated King Jerry Lawler. <laughs> no, I'll let you. I'll let you do that to your wife. Okay. Uh, Then there is the Undiscovered Realm Con in White Plains, New York, Uh, even though they call it a comic book convention. uh, Not many comic book folks there, but Billy West, Sid Haig, and Bill Mosley are going to be there. Ooh,
0: but if it's undiscovered, how's anybody going to find it? Well, they just have to move the potatoes,
1: and it'll be right there. (laughs) Uh, But the biggie this weekend, Todd, of course, is the Fan Expo in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Last week, we discussed the big five-shot photo op of the Back to the Future people. Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, uh, Nate's dad, and uh, whoever the guy who plays the principal was, they're going to be there.
0: (laughs) Nate's dad and the principal.
1: When he's Back to the Future, he's Nate's dad And Legends of Tomorrow, he's uh, Biff.
0: Biff Tannen, gotcha.
1: Come on, get it straight. Uh Bill Shatner is gonna be there. Ooh. Uh co- uh on the comic creator side of things, Donnie Cates, Peter Tomasi, Doug Monkey, John Byrne, Jim Lee, Jeff Loeb. Now, Todd, I, I saved some media guests for last here. Of course you on normal on normal instances, the long running uh Mark Photo opportunity. Even before the advent of the smash hit sensation Cobra Kai, which I haven't gotten a chance to watch any of season two yet, sadly, Mm -hmm. that the uh, Ralph Macchio, uh, William Zabka, a.k.a. Sensei Lawrence, and Martin Cove, uh, Sensei Crease, of course, triple shot. Under normal circumstances, that's your home run. Solid bet. Doomsday Clock ain't coming out 2019. Triple mark photo. (laughs) However, Todd, what could be the one thing, especially on this show, especially on After Dark, that would be above getting the Mark picture with the three of them? Linda Blair? Linda Blair.
0: Whoa. Linda Blair
1: is going to be at Fan Expo in Dallas.
0: Show favorite, maybe soon to be a whole year about her. <laughs> we got to meet her someday.
1: I'm going to look at her convention schedule. We're going to see what the summer looks like. Hopefully my wife's schedules are, uh, I, I am still thinking about and laughing about the joke you said from last week about how my wife is going to organize a convention in my front yard and then schedule something else for me to do so I can't go to it.
0: That That's that's an April thing to do. Yes.
1: I, I still think about that. Like, I've probably thought about that twice a day, every day for the last week, and I still laugh every time I think about it.
0: That's because I'm funny, Joe.
1: That's right. You are funny, Todd.
0: Everybody funny. Now you funny too.
1: <laughs> so the links to all these conventions will be in the show notes of course along with links to soon to be at soon to be com as well. Where anytime any of the shows in our network conglomeration of like-minded individuals put up a show and uh I remember to put it up on the site. It'll be up on the site or if they go appear on some other show that'll also be up on the site as well, of course. Find out when this show comes out, when Longbox Heroes After Dark comes out, when Puzzle Warriors 3 comes out. They just actually had a bunch of the developers uh, from D3, the folks who make Marvel Puzzle Quest on, discussing things. And uh, they won't even say my name on the show. I'm that spreadsheet guy.
0: Oh, you're the man who shall rename him Aimless?
1: That's right. Uh, So there's that. There's uh, Profane Arguments, of course the bi-monthly smash sensation of fresher and parlance, and I, I have it on good authority, their very own tweets, that there will be no podvocacy or wrestling on the edge of forever this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you would like, you can go and just preemptively tell Jason how wrong he is about his opinions about Endgame, because of course he is. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, wanna, do you want to you wanna start that fire before you can, you know? Ugh.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. So, uh, links to that and all that, of course, will be in the show notes, soon-to-be-named network.com, soon-to-be-named network.tumblr.com, uh, digital sales and freebies, of course, the Marvel stuff with Avengers and Thanos and all that jazz is still hanging out from the last several weeks, um, as though the 1.2 billion dollars that movie hasn't raked in, they gotta get an extra 99 cents off you for a reprint of Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> That's for all the ivory back scratchers that they use for the people who count the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, some other sales, of course. Uh, DC is having a sale on villain related stuff because they have some sort of big villain event launching in conjunction with uh, Free Comic Book Day. Image is having a sale on Jeff Lemire stuff in conjunction with uh, Ascender, which we'll be talking about here in just a little bit. But I also want to uh, point out that Humble Bundle, we haven't brought up Humble Bundle in quite some time, uh, but they are having a Jeff Lemire spotlight going on. Uh, It's one of those kind of like pay how much you want, the more that you pay, the more that you get. Uh, Paying all the way up to in increments of a buck to eight bucks to 15 bucks. Uh, But for a buck... Uh, You get the uh, first trade of Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil, which I think uh, is a Black Hammer crossover. Uh, You get the first trades of December and, uh, yeah, Descender and Royal City. You get the A.D. After Death book that Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire worked on together. And the two issues of Gideon Falls for eight bucks. You get some more issues. You get some more, uh, more issues of Gideon Falls uh, you get some more Descender trades, you get some more Royal City trades, and you get some Valiant stuff and so forth. So all the way up to fifteen bucks, you get pretty much everything that Jeff Lemire has done, not at Marvel and DC, digitally for fifteen bucks.
0: Do you know why we don't? They don't talk about humble bundles much. Why? It's because it's humble. It won't talk about itself. We have to do it more. That's why. Right.
1: So, uh, you know, I, I'll I'll do a better job of keeping an eye out for more and more uh, big collections like that. So definitely check that out. Uh, Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. And I've already put you on the spot. Sadly, I did not get a chance to read Ascender number 1, as it has been a busy week. Yes, it uh, has. Putting you on the spot. Let's talk about it.
0: That's fine. This is Ascender. This is uh, written by Jeff Lemire, drawn by Dustin Nguyen. Uh, it is basically the sequel to the book you discussed uh, in the Humble Bundle. Descender, which I think was like a 32-issue run, something like that, was one of my favorites. Uh, the Uh As great as the book is, one of the problems that I had with the book, it's one of those things that it, it has uh, jumping on point. It's called Issue 1, um, and later on it was just such a contained story that I don't feel that there was any truly great jumping point jumping on points after that. So it made it tough to discuss probably my favorite Jeff Lemire book Um, look beautiful to like that. So basically this is a sender, which is the continuation of that book, which takes place several years. I'm not sure exactly how many, I think they might've said in the solicits, but it's not in the, I don't think it's in the actual book takes place at the, after the end of Ascender, which uh, these harvesters were these giant robots. They decided to wreak havoc on all this, the planets in this, you know, uh, federation type thing for mistreating of robots. That's the best way to describe it. There's a whole lead up to it, but because of that, the this connected group of planets really isn't connected anymore because they don't have the technology technology is either outlawed or something's happened we're not quite sure because now there are these group of people who are in charge and they seem very like like a fascist group led by someone called mother who has magic and they control the only way it seems like uh because we don't have all the information yet that they control the only way to travel from planet to planet, which isn't technology because they make sure they let you know that these things that she travels in are alive because she's like, don't forget to feed my spaceship. And so they pretty much seem to be like, we control the ability to travel, maybe trade, um, and we find out that they have magic, and this union of of planets are now the rebels – because they believe in technology and all that stuff that that they're on the outs and we don't get to see many characters from uh the previous descender we only get to see one who's andy who's grown up and now he has a daughter with mila with one of the characters from the the previous descender but something's happened to her and we don't know the backstory she's like this has just happened and so i'm I'm protecting you from all, all that's out there. We're free here. If we go there, we have to worship the mother. And it, it's, it's really good because the girl wants to go out and see the world and she wishes she was there when there was space travel and robots and, and all this good stuff. And then maybe a, a past character who I don't want to say shows up to her for some reason and i'm i'm like oh now i have somebody else i recognize i really enjoyed this book um but have you ever been so close to a book you're not sure if it's accessible as a number one because i know everything that's come before it but all the stuff that they're doing seems like even a person who reads it will be will understand what's going on this girl wants robots back and wants to see robots and technology but you don't know why it's gone and everything you just know that it's gone but me reading it knows why but it it's all explained in a weird way so it's tough for me to separate myself from from descender but I really love this book if that makes any sense
1: right so obviously my main concern uh with this book is the accessibility between the two books and do you think that this would have lent itself better if it was instead of ascender number one it was December descender number whatever
0: 33 right or something like that I get you I think it would have I think it 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 would have but a lot of people don't seem to ever like that 10 15 year time jump in a book. So I think that's kind of way they did it. And the name Descender works, and I, and I forget the exact reason, but it works into the uh, the, overarching, the overarching story of the first half, where I think this is a different story, and Descender is going to do the opposite of what they did in the first run. So I think he, he does want to keep them separate. But like I said, I'm all just basing this on having read one issue which is tough to do. Right.
1: And, you know, we're talking about nine months in between the last issue of Descender and the first issue of Ascender. And then I think, did they publish it in Ascender? Because I I see as part of the promotional materials online for it, there's a timeline where everything fits in?
0: Um, I did not see the timeline in my book. There was a timeline online that i that i wanted to click on and actually read right but as i'm because i have the book right in front of me and i'm like i don't remember seeing a timeline in the book and i'm like but sometimes they stick them in you know what i mean yes like on a letters page and i didn't know there's no timeline in my book
1: okay so i was just wondering of course because this does feel like a bit of a daunting task for someone who, even as you, who's only been away from these characters and this story for nine months in between the the issues, that this seemed like it was, like I said, a little bit too daunting of a task, I guess.
0: Right. But like I said, now the old, like I said, only had one original character. So I think that might be more accessible to someone new because mm-hmm. me, I'm like, where's everybody? Where's everybody now? You know what I mean? and i only get one maybe two that i don't want to give too much away so i think i think like i said i'm so close to it it's tough and that's that really doesn't happen to me on books you know what i mean usually i could just say this is easily accessible this isn't i don't know i guess that's almost a good thing cuz it's not cut and dry right we'll see cuz i'm going to keep going
1: so the book i was most looking forward to coming out this week was criminal number 4 a one shot taking place in between the previous one shot and the two issue thing that's not getting collected in the main collection, which is causing all sorts of an uproar. Uh, but again, leave it to Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips to sell this book to you multiple times and make you upset and want it more each way. Right. So again, of course, this being a one-off, uh, we follow the adventures of Ricky uh, who is the son of the typical main character in the book, and he is drugged up and drunk and attempting to go on a revenge-slash-heist, and he's having hallucinations. So that's mm-hmm. a good combination, in my opinion. Right. Um. I don't know what you think of this. It's criminal. I think criminal's always awesome, you
0: know? Right. It, it's really good. I love his plan to get someone to help, he's like, oh, well, I'll get this person and, uh th- you know, and I'll bring this person I want to help back and be like, this is my gift to you. And I'm like, that's really great. But being up for four days straight just snorting crystal meth every, you know, two hours or whatever does not give you the best decision-making skills and how that whole plan just works out. And then he's like, all right, that didn't work so well. Now you need to help me like the, I came to you this is all gone to pot now help me with it and I'm like and the, there's a great thing he's like do it yourself and, and he's like what did I what did I do wrong and you're like oh everything <laughs> you know I mean? right like, how could you not see what you did wrong and the sad part is Joe there are too many people like that in this world oh. So it's, like, realistic. I'm like, yes, you've brought all this crap to my front door, and now you want me to clean it up. Go away and don't talk to me.
1: Listen, I typically like uh, there being an escape in comics, Mm -hmm. but having fanciful superpowers is just as much as as an escape for me as someone who is irresponsible and makes horrible decisions on a regular basis.
0: Yep. That's right. Sometimes I'm not I'm not that much of a scumbag, so it's escapism
1: for me. Right. Yours is kind of like, um, not science fiction, but like science fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you read Criminal. Yes. <laughs> are we going to start spinning the show that you're uh, much more of a degenerate than you actually are? Not to say um, that you're not a degenerate, but to kind of amp it up a bit.
0: Listen, I'm a bit of a degenerate. That you know of. That's all I'm gonna say.
1: Okay.
0: Well, I'm 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 a layered degenerate. How what? How much you want? That's how much I'll give.
1: <laughs> you know oh my I mean? goodness. <laughs> you gotta be careful with the reference we make there. Yep. Uh, but yeah. So criminal is good. Criminal is always good. Whether you just pick this up as a one shot, I think if you pick up issue one and this, you're good. Uh, if you pick up issues one, two, three, four, you're good. If you pick up everything that says criminal and Ed Brubaker's name on it, you're you're also in good shape. Yep. So, the other book that we both read from this past week was Heroes in Crisis number 8. Uh, I ribbed Todd a bit there at the beginning of the show saying if he'd gotten uh, my text about this as I was picking my books up on Wednesday... Todd's phone was blowing up, as the kids say, of people wanting to talk about this book. Because big things happen in this book. And maybe you haven't been reading Heroes in Crisis. And I get it. Um, it feels a little overwrought at times uh, when they folded in the two uh, one-shot issues into the main book. Maybe that extended things a little bit further than they really should have. Perhaps the book got away from itself, was sold as one thing, went out to be perpetrated as something else, and is now finally back to that thing that it was maybe originally sold as. So we're going to talk about it, but I'm going to put spoiler tags in the show post. Okay. Just in case you don't want this part of the story spoiled for you. Maybe you haven't gotten a chance to read Heroes in Crisis, maybe you gave up on it, or maybe you want to see what happened.
0: Okay.
1: You can go right to it, right here. I'm putting a little thing right here. So, Heroes in Crisis number eight, uh, written by uh, Tom King, with art by Mitch Gerards and a little bit of help from Clay Man. Uh, this is the Who It issue. We find out what's been going on at the sanctuary, who the killer of all those people is, and why they did it.
0: And just for the record, Joe, uh, it's Mitch Jradz who did some of the pages, and it wasn't uh, man; it was Travis Moore who did the other pages.
1: Oh, then uh, DC needs to update their website.
0: I'm looking at the credits page of the book right now, so I'm gonna go with that then their website.
1: <laughs> there you go. Me too. I'll go. No with problem. That I well. just didn't know if you knew. Sorry. Right. So even the description uh, of the of the book. Says, with the killer revealed, it's time to find out why. Um And then it says, the Trinity of Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman will have their leadership challenged and will question their own judgment. I don't think they show up in this book at all.
0: I don't, th- I think they're just name dropped at one point.
1: Right. So, the killer is Wally West. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wally West was sent to Sanctuary, he started to question why he was there, who else was there, and part of what Sanctuary's whole thing is is that they keep you isolated. Everyone who goes there for any sort of rest or relaxation or recuperation goes there and they're isolated from everyone else through whatever the VR program that's set up there is. Wally took a step outside of that with the Speed Force, and he saw what was going on. And therefore, that drove him mad. And he ended up killing everyone that was there.
0: Accidentally. You have to you have to concentrate on the Speed, speed Force or so it can get away from you. Which is there out. Mm-hmm. That he's not a purposeful murderer. He's not a murder one. You know what I mean? He's a manslaughter guy.
1: That's their out as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so, everyone but Harley Quinn and Booster Gold. So Wally, premeditatedly, sets things up so that both Booster Gold and Harley Quinn think the other is the one who killed everyone there. He also travels five minutes into the future. Five days. Five days, my apologies. Five days into the future and kills his future self. Right. And then comes back to our time. And now as this book ends, we are at, what, four days and 20-some-odd hours and whatever, whatever, and we're about to come to that five-day limit where Wally essentially closes the loop and, atoning for the sins that he did accidentally, I guess kills himself before anyone else finds out about it, even though he is recording this through the sanctuary set up for other people to find. Yes.
0: And he's going to do, in that in those five days that he has that nobody's looking for him, and he's faked the whole crime scene, he's going to do good to offset the bad that he's done. That was his like end game at the end of this point. No pun intended. So, what did you think?
1: Uh, I feel as though this issue did a lot toward redeeming the flow of this book. I don't feel as though this should have been nine-issue storyline. I don't think it should have been seven. I think you could have told this in six, in five, in four, and I feel as though so much of what they tried to add to make this bigger than it actually was made it not as big as it could have been.
0: I I agree. I think Didio got his hands in here and said, take this story about depression and uh, everything else that the sanctuary is supposed to be about and made it about, you know, made it, made it event worthy, which this story should never have been event worthy. That being said, I, this is to me. Now I don't know if it's because I'm very close to the Wally West character, Joe, you know, I'm a huge fan. I know you're a huge fan too, but you know me like, Big Flash fan have a super full long run of his stuff. Um, I can't buy. I get what Tom King's trying to do. That depression can make you know like can make anyone snap. And literally, I, I think we may have been over this. You know how we say Tom King really loves Alan Moore's work. Yes. He likes nine panel grids. He likes telling stories. And you could see, and, and like, even when he was doing, uh, uh certain things like Vision or, uh, even the Omega Man, he was leaving the, and Batman at times, he was leaving the little things at the end that were quotes from novels like Alan Moore did in Watchmen, and he tries to do Watchmen stuff. This to me is him retelling the killing joke. in. One bad day can ruin your life. And that's to me, I like, I don't know why I'm just like, oh, you're retelling, uh, an Alan Moore story? And as I'm doing it, I'm like, I get what you're trying to say, but I don't, I don't think Wally would do all this. Like, alright, he's sad that he lost his family. That could break anybody, but to, to fake a crime scene, like just, like, I'm, I'm, I know Barry, cause he's a CSI, I'm gonna do this so he'll go down the wrong path, and I know we're Batman. I'm like, alright, you did wrong, now you're covering all up. I don't, to me, this is nothing like the Wally I know. I'm gonna give it one more issue, because I wanna see what he's trying to do, whether that thing he's doing is bringing his family back. But I'm like, man, Wally is really wit-written, like nothing I've ever seen, and it's like, I'm supposed to be the hope of the rebirth and everything, but they were all wrong, and I'm like, I don't know, to me there's just a lot that I can't swallow here, and I don't know if it's because I'm a Flash fan, or if it's not good writing. Uh, And I like Tom King, so that's my take on this book.
1: So, here's my only issue there. I don't think Wally is going to die in issue 9. I think they're going to stop him from killing himself. Okay. Okay. They're going to make him atone. They're going to make him go to trial, or make him get the help he needs, or whatever it is. Right now, obviously, where does that now put Harley Quinn and that girl and Booster Beetle and blue, uh, uh, or yeah, Booster and Beetle?
0: Right. I where does you. that
1: put them in the grand scheme of things? Are you going to have two people pulling for that he should die, and two people pulling for yes, he gets the help that he deserves? So you're going to get more, I think, out of that. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I feel as though Wally West has been given short shrift since Barry Allen came back during the Jeff John's day, Jeff John's days. Wally was, I, Wally was a lot of people's flash from 1986 to 2000, whatever, when Barry Allen came back under Jeff Johns' watch.
0: I I agree. And to me, that's Dan Didio. And I'm not trying to just pile on Dan Didio, but if you look at all, he said in an interview, like, and I, and I, I wish I had it in front of me. He doesn't like heroes that you have to tell another hero's origin to define them. You have to tell Barry's story to tell Wally's because Wally went to see Barry and have the exact same thing that happened to Barry. Now, if you would down the look the, at the thing that people have gotten, the short shrift, especially after Rebirth and uh, New 52. Okay, so Barry has it. He's one of those people whose origin you have to tell. Kyle's gotten the short shrift. He's one of the people that you have to tell in origin. Wonder Girl. Uh, they even said that Didio never liked Nightwing because uh, you have to tell the Robin story and the Batman to get to Nightwing. Uh, I'm trying to think now. Connor Kent. Who is Superboy? He's finally come back, but I think that's because Brian Michael Bendis wanted to use him. All these generational characters, which was the whole point of DC to me, was the hope, the future. They've all been swept aside. It's all Batman, Superman, uh, the original, like, you know, uh, OG versions of all these characters. The Silver Age folks. Exactly. That's all. I, I don't know. I just think Didio hates the second wave of heroes
1: after the Silver Age. If you get my, you know what I mean. I do. So, with that being said, why do this to Wally?
0: I, I don't know. And I, like I said, I do want to read the last issue
1: because Wally, Wally was gone. Like they took Wally off the board during what was it? Um,
0: uh, New fifty two.
1: They took him off the board in New fifty two. He was gone. Right. And then they brought back somebody else as Wally West, kind of mirror what was going on on the TV show. And then they killed him off.
0: No, they didn't. He's still around.
1: Oh, he is still around. Okay. Yes, he is. So then they brought back the other Wally West, the Wally West that we knew pre-Barry Allen coming back, and now they've gone ahead and done this. So you got rid of Wally West. You brought back a different Wally West. Then you bring back the original Wally West, and now you have him so against type. (sighs) Is there a chance that this isn't Wally West? This is someone else or someone influencing Wally West. Someone posing as Wally West.
0: It's Superboy Prime punching the wall. I I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think it was. I honestly wonder sometimes whether it was Tom King who did this or whoever else that he was brought back knowing that this was going to be the that it was going to be a gut punch when really people were going. It was instead of a gut punch. It was going to be a backlash. And they misjudged the reaction. Do, do you know what I mean? Like th- this will hit harder if it's the beloved Wally West as the murderer. I, I that's that's the way I look at it. It's a bigger story that way. If that had been, uh I'm trying to think, any of the like uh, like the like lesser characters that were in the sanctuary, would this story be you know as talked about as it, it was Wally?
1: But. Wally is not the same Wally today that he was seven years ago when they got rid of him, or even seven years before that, or however many years before that it was when they brought Barry back. Right. I Oof. think if you wanted that emotional gut punch for a character like Wally to do something like this, it needed to be while he was the the quote unquote real Flash or the only Flash.
0: That's too much, though, I think.
1: Okay, but you think have the that's TV too show. much? You I think that's too much. But for the emotional impact that they wanted this to have, he needed to be in that position.
0: Right, but then that would sully your TVs and your movie flashes.
1: Is this? But it wouldn't because our TV and movie flashes are not Wally West.
0: I, I get what you're saying, but if he was the Flash, then Barry would be the Flash, and all this stuff would on the, in these in the other properties would be Wally, if that makes any sense. Wibbly wobbly, yeah wibbly wobbly, wobbly whatever i'm not doing i'm doing a terrible joke but yeah i i don't know i i have so many questions about this mm-hmm. and and uh, what do you, are you at least uh, like you uh you're you're sticking around for nine right
1: yeah i'm i'm this far in unless they cancel nine
0: right or it gets late
1: <sighs> i think at this point we're okay
0: what what's your bet on that uh your heroes in crisis nine will be out before 2019 the end of it <laughs>
1: I have faith it'll be out before the end of uh, 2019. Okay. I have faith that the final issue of a seven-issue miniseries, or a nine-issue miniseries, whatever it is, uh, will come out within the next seven months. Fair enough. Okay. So that ends the spoiler discussion of that. Uh, hopefully you're back with us. You looked at the time codes. Uh, I don't know if I'll put like a little something in the the, the notes. I'm, I'm giving myself too much work tonight, you know.
0: Yes. Well, it's not like you like don't like more work. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always planning stuff.
1: I'm always planning. Well, yeah, I'm, I have a lot of ideas, uh, but I, I I secretly hope that my ideas, when I say them aloud, they don't so they don't come to fruition. Gotcha. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, as we do every year, Todd and I attempt to guess what the others most looking forward to coming out this week Todd is currently in the lead with two correct guesses over me. And uh, you had stated at the top of the show that you had some questions.
0: Yeah, I'm shocked that not that... Well, I'm not shocked because I know my own list. Um, I'm surprised you didn't have uh, Savage Avengers on here.
1: Uh, Well, you don't have Savage Aven- Avengers on here uh, on your list.
0: Right. I just thought you would for some reason. I don't know why.
1: Nah, I don't know. Like The, the team seems like... Uh trying to be a little too cute for their own good, and mm-hmm. most of the stuff that I've read from Jerry Duggan hasn't lit my world on fire.
0: That's the thing. It's the team, the writer, and the artist, and out of those three things, I only really like one of them. Right. I would be buying it for the art, and I'm like, nah, that's not enough for me. You, I'll wait when that six-issue run is over, and, and go does his, does his own uh, Barbarian. You know what I mean? I'll buy that. But I just thought that. And then both of us don't have uh, any of that uh deceased. I thought you might be interested in that.
1: Nah, again, I, I know we had talked before about um, Tom Taylor. Yes. Kind of being an up-and-coming star in comic books at DC. He's kind of like an unsung hero there with a lot of the stuff that he's written and been associated with and how we had discussed earlier about Josh Williamson getting the big Superman-Batman book, whereas this is... Tom Taylor getting his first crack at a presumably in continuity uh, big DC event but I just feel zombie stuff invading the you know or the superhero world is such a passe concept
0: me I feel that this is gonna be Marvel zombies done right <laughs> But I don't know if it's in continuity. I thought this was going to be like a Marvel Zombies thing.
1: You know what I mean? I don't know. A lot of the stuff that I'm seeing out there is kind of, I don't want to say misleading, but it's not 100% clear of if it is or is not. So it'll be interesting, but neither one of us are getting that either. So maybe somebody else that is getting one of those two books, whether it be Savage Avengers or Deceased. I figured you would just be buying it just because of the pun that is a great name by
0: the way but as we'll talk a great pun when we get later in the tv show talk right. but uh yes no i i just i i didn't uh i couldn't think uh i i didn't think about getting it i was like i have a big enough list and it didn't grab me so gotcha but uh so i'm gonna guess what you because i go first that's true um is the thing you're looking forward to most uh War of the Realms number three.
1: Yes, uh, it is War of the Realms, and I forgot to put the the in there for myself. I always do that for myself, but I include in there for you because you you included in there for yourself. Uh, I think the book you're most looking forward to coming out is also War of the Realms as well.
0: Yes. Yeah. Mister, always on me about the hyphen in Spider Man, but oh, not the the in the War of the Realms.
1: Mm-hmm. And again, it's no excuse. But when I do my list, I, I do my list from the Diamond poll sheet. And Diamond does not have it listed as War of the Realms in their, bo- in their sheets. They have it as War of Realms in their sheets. It well, should be canceled. I agree. So no movement there on uh, either list, of course. But while you're over at LongBoxHeroes.com, you can move to some of the past stuff that we've done. Whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark. The 2017 smash sensation Todd and Joe have issues. And uh, of course, you could always click on our little store button there and purchase shirts or stickers or pins with our fancy logo on them. And if you want other iterations of this shirt and even more designs inspired by not only this show at Oddsworth with Wrestling and the soon-to-be-named network, you could head over to our T Public store and purchase to our To your heart's content. We had some off-air discussion about more and more designs in the works for the future here, and uh, I have a feeling very soon in the uh, very soon near future we're going to have some uh, information about the quality of these shirts, of whether or not I will bash these people or not. I'm hoping that I don't have to bash anyone.
0: You are the mad basher.
1: Yes. Uh, Another way that you can help us out, of course, is by making some purchases through the Amazon click-through at the top of the page. Does not cost you an extra cent, but it does give a couple of those extra cents that they would charge you over to Todd and myself as an advertising fee. Because lucky for you, until you listen to this podcast, you never knew that Amazon existed, as far as the story goes. (laughs) Right. It's us that was directing you there, which is why they give us a rolling two-month cycle of payments for click-throughs and so forth. Some of the notable purchases through the uh, click-through this past week. Someone purchased a Bushmaster Bushcraft Primitive Field Knife. And I'm always a fan of having a knife on your person.
0: I do, too. I never know when I have to defend myself against a rabid squirrel.
1: That's right. If I have my man purse with me, I have minimally three knives on my person at all times.
0: Mm -hmm. And four DNAs on those knives.
1: Mm, Well, a lot of it's mine, but. Okay. Uh, But the rest is all books, uh, comic books and otherwise. So I'm always a fan of when comic books are purchased through the site. Uh, a book entitled The Pigeon Has to Go to School by uh, children's author Mo Willems. He does a whole series of books about the pigeon who's a little jerk character and doesn't want to do a thing, whether it be take a bath or he wants to drive the school bus. And it's all about him having to listen. And they're fun stories and my kid likes them. And this is how I found out there's a new one of these books coming out. You will enjoy them in reading them to your child, and then it's a good book to help your child learn to read as well. Uh, somebody also purchased the most recent issue of Venom, number 13, through our click-through. Somebody also purchased the collection of Avengers World by Jonathan Hickman. And somebody also purchased the first five volumes of the Terry Moore Strangers in Paradise book interesting an unsung book uh that sadly due to its independent status has kind of fallen off a bit terry moore has done a bunch of other projects uh from rachel rising to a bunch of other things and i think he's doing his big comic swan song here in the near future where all of his creator own characters are getting together for one big last hurrah crossovery type thing right and, uh, you know, my hat's off to Terry Moore. He's done some, uh, work for Marvel here and there, not a ton. He's done even less work for DC. in image here and there. Uh, outside of the time that his book went over to Homage, and then Homage was purchased by DC, so <laughs> he went back to be an indie. I think he is one of the last true indie creators, uh, out there that has kind of done things his own way.
0: Right. I-N-D-I-E.
1: That's right. He's not a race car. In uh, the Midwest.
0: Or a fight Nazi archaeologist. Right.
1: Uh, so, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week?
0: Yes, we did. From De- uh, Jesse DeYoung. He asked, Muppets work, right? Because there was a few series. So here's teeth in the book that he's drawing where they give you the little, like, you know, 300 and some things. And they have a... a some a word on the page uh in the sketchbook that you should draw whatever they're you know telling you to and this was teeth so he drew dr teeth and it looks just like a muppet and yes muppets just the question muppets work right yes they always work no matter what the question is muppets always work (laughs) because they're the best and he did a great dr teeth i i really i really thought that was cool
1: absolutely uh you did fantastic work there and of course whether you're purchasing original art uh, getting some pages or covers or whatever it is, getting a commission, a sketch, or you yourself are a burgeoning artist. Tweet at us and tag Todd's Art Attack in said thing and we'll share your uh, cool art with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So, I think that covers the main portion of the show, yay?
0: Yep, now we're on to three Big shows.
1: Right. It's, well, it's three big shows. That I'm it's... a giant. Right. A lot of discussion lately, both uh, online and on podcasts, about how terrible a name for a wrestler is. Is just the big show.
0: I think it's great. It describes him as a show that is big. What more do you need?
1: I guess. I don't know. I think he deserves a lord. Like there was, they, and that's the thing. During that time, they played with a whole bunch of different names for him. First, it was just he was just Paul White, which is his name.
0: Right. Then
1: he was the Big Nasty. That's a good name, right? Then there was rumor that his name was going to be Titan, the corporate giant. Ooh. And then they finally settled on the Big Show.
0: Why didn't they just go uh, Andre the Giant Junior?
1: Right, Andre Jr., a- yes. Aju.
0: Oh, Aju. he'd be named
1: after the famous sauce. There you go, he's on the sauce. Oh, uh, now see, if only we could retroactively go back to 1999 and change the big show's name to Juice Beef Sandwich.
0: There you go.
1: You gotta squash that beef. <laughs> and that could be a cat. Oh my goodness. <laughs> We're going to cut this part of the podcast out to save this this comedy gold for something else. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> so where we? Well, you know what? Let's let's begin with the oldest of the shows, and that would be uh, Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episode entitled Snow Pack where the main story is Caitlyn and her dad. Uh, Caitlyn, of course, has Killer Frost inside of her. Uh, her dad, Tom Snow, not to be confused with Jon Snow. Is that the guy from Game of Thrones? What's his name?
0: Good for you, Jon Snow. That's B-
1: right. Bill Snow.
0: Well, any, okay, just so you know, anybody who's up north in the world of Game of Thrones, if you're born and your parents aren't married, they call you bastard, and you're first, you don't get the rights to your parent, your father's name, so you become John or whatever your name is, you would be Joe Snow, Joe Snow Snow, and I would be Todd Snow, but then if you're in a different place like where there was like a a desert their last names were sand so we would be Joe Sand or Todd Sand because you don't have the rights to your family name because the family name is the whole thing but anyway do you want to talk about Flash?
1: Yes I want to talk about Flash Uh, so he has the icicle inside of him the icicle (laughs) is evil and uh, Killer Frost has become good but Caitlin of course is having some difficulties of course with her mother While this is going on is your A plot. Your B plot, I guess, would be that uh, Barry and Iris are not getting along. Because Barry, without checking with Iris, sent uh, Nora back to her time. And, uh, of course, you know, uh, Iris has some issues with that. Because in the future, Nora hates Iris. Because Iris put the inhibitor chip inside of her. So, current day Nora... Our current day Iris has been working with Nora to work on the relationship in the future and she's made inroads with her daughter and now Barry's gone ahead and ruined it. So with the help of Ralph, uh, we did get actually mentioned that Cisco is on his home planet in this episode, I think. That's why the entire <laughs> team Flash wasn't there. Exactly. And then, uh, of course, we get her going to the future and confronting uh, Eobard Thawne. So there's a lot of stuff going on in this. Uh, I will say though, while I enjoyed this episode, I really don't like Icicle. Oh,
0: Icicle's terrible.
1: The actor who is a fine actor, he's a good man. When he's the dad, it's okay. But when he's the Icicle, there's just something about him that's so unlikable. And I don't mean like I was like, Oh, he's a bad guy, I want him to die or something like that, or see him get his come up, and it's like You're acting poorly. Yes. Like he looks like and acts like in those what you know, Tim Robbins is kind of like a serious actor, right? When he's the icicle, this guy, Kyle Secor, when he's the icicle, he acts like Tim Robbins does when Tim Robbins is in a bad comedy for a paycheck and plays (laughs) like uh, a jerk or something. But right. he does it poorly. He doesn't have the gravitas that a Tim Robbins has.
0: Well, Reaching for that Tim Robbins-like quality acting, that's hard sometimes.
1: Right. But I did like the stuff, and this was one of those rare instances where hashtag Iris is right, kind of, sort of, I guess. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> under normal circumstances, Iris is always wrong, When it comes to her decisions against Barry, and they don't give you good groundwork or reasons why Iris is acting the way that she does, other than that's what the script said. I feel as though this is the first time in a very long time that Iris was deserved in her reaction to what Barry did.
0: Right. But in the end, okay, I'm going to say that. Barry took Nora into the future away from Iris before she could say goodbye. Right. So, but that wasn't all that Iris was mad at. Iris was like, you did this, you know, you, you, you did this without talking to me. Yeah. Because she's working with Eobard. Well, she's my daughter too. Well, if, and I like when Barry said, yeah, if Eobard had like, you know, I guess cause he murdered my mother, I'm the one who has problems with him. I'm sorry. You know, like that they're teamed up. And in the end it, this is, you're right. This is the closest that Iris has been to being right in that the decision was right. It was, it was done. He went about it the wrong way. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I, and I was fine with that. And that being said, uh, that I think, and once again, I think they were way too hard on Sherlock. They're like, you figured all this out. And you know, you, you know, this isn't the time. And he's, and he's like, "What, what do you want? I figured out that your daughter is working with your most hated villain, when did you want me to break this? When over dinner? Like what so I think like Sherlock's getting like a bad rap. Ah uh, I don't know. I'm this was a good episode, uh, other than the the wonderful ice fight between Icicle and Killer Frost, where she was doing the Iceman slide, which I like, but he was doing a apparently if I shoot ice out of my hands I can fly. And I don't understand that one.
1: Now as Suspect as that is, and I I think a lot of people is like, Iceman did it in the comic book so everybody could do it, right? Mm -hmm. When they're actually having the physical battle and the stunt person that was there for Killer Frost. Right. Wow. It was like, it it was sub Legends of Tomorrow wig work. And thanks to uh, Jason and David over on uh, Wrestling on the Edge of Forever, I'm sure I've seen it before, but I went and watched the Spock and, or Spock, Kirk and Khan fight from the original series.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
0: It's no Kirk and Gorn, but it's pretty close.
1: Well, it's more so the stunt double that's in there for Kirk during this. Mm -hmm. It's a guy who's about six inches taller, about 20 pounds lighter. And mm-hmm. uh Shatner has brown hair, and this guy has, like, a jet black pompadour. Right,
0: and right. And they do
1: it in, like, like not even, like, far away shots. At least this one they tried. But if you go and look at Caitlyn's hair in the close-ups, and then when the stunt double is being tossed around, the, the hair is so off. It's shameful.
0: And I like too because I wanted to equate this to Star Trek in the same way. Is when Caitlin's doing her ice slide and like he's doing stuff. Like the slide isn't like she's if she's pivoting on the slide, so her the slide tilts at a forty-five degree angle to the left. It doesn't. It, that doesn't happen. They just have her lean all Star Trek. The ship got hit by a photon torpedo, and then they twist the camera, so it's this like cheesy effect of til- tilting the ice slide. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. And I'm like, whoa! And then it's like, oh, I have to dodge these icicle dagger flying daggers. Whoa! Lean it to the right. Whoa! Lean
1: it to the left. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm like it was pretty funny. I feel as though if that was done with more practical effects, mm-hmm. more people would be talking about the ridiculousness of it.
0: You're, you're not going to win, uh, yes. Yeah. When you when you can't, well, Joe, when you can't afford to have the whole cast in the episode, you how are you paying for an icicle fight? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't bring the whole
1: cast to an icicle fight. I
0: say <laughs> that's right. <laughs> It could be worse. You could be having prosthetic nipples.
1: Well, uh, again, that's a lead-in, I guess, to Legends of Tomorrow discussion, if there ever was one. Right. Uh, So the title... Now, is this what you were talking about with the title of the episode? Yes, because at one point, I T-voted this show. Yes. So I was like, okay, I have it. I just put it on, I
0: start watching it, and when you press pause the everything comes up. It's like how long you've watched the show, how much you have left the tight, the name of the, uh, the name of the TV show and the title. And I'm like, Oh man, I, j- I just need to get a soda. So I paused it. I opened a soda. I went, got a soda, opened it up, started drinking. I came back in and saw the name of the episode. And I and had soda come out my nose. I was like, the name of this episode was egg Mcguffin, And I was like, yep. All right. I this this episode could be terrible. You have me at Egg McGuffin.
1: That's very close. I know a guy named Ed McGuffin, but that's neither here nor there. Okay? <laughs> so, this episode uh again, we got a lot going on in this episode, of course. Uh Nora is still in the coma. Ray is still being fu- fighting uh p- being possessed by Neron. Uh, Nate and Zari are sent off on an Indiana Jones esque adventure to find Esk. the aforementioned egg in the in the plot of the uh, the title of the episode. And Rory gets an invitation to go to Romanticon. Isn't to reveal that the one George... as the writer of those uh, trashy romance novels he writes?
0: Right, isn't that the ones that George Perez is going to go to one of the this year?
1: Uh These are just the actual romance novels.
0: Oh, okay. I
1: can't speak for any romance that's going on at these (laughs) conventions. But but there is a lot of uh, love going on there.
0: Right. And Charlie decides to play the person, the nom de plume of Rory's uh, author name. And they're going to get the quick uh, $20,000 check from it. While all this is going on, Ava... And Sarah are going to have book club night, because there there are a lot of plots going on.
1: And they thing. also have a bet on whether or not Nate and Zari are going to hook up while they're on their sexy, sexy 30, 1930s Indiana Jones-esque adventure. Right. So again, a very busy show, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, my favorite stuff was the Rory stuff, and him finally admitting in public that he himself was... Uh, the writer of these all the time, and we only have like four episodes left in the season, so I don't know how this is all going to resolve itself going forward. Now that mm-hmm. Rory's been outed as the writer of these things,
0: right? I-, I like that one of the books is actually named Heat Wave, right? As it came up <laughs> on the screen, I'm like, oh, that's pretty
1: good. <laughs> so, uh, but of course, the main plot of this is uh, Ray fighting the influences of Neron who has only possessed his hand, and in a pre-credit sequence when Ray realizes this, he looks at his possessed hand and says, not groovy. So not groovy. And for me, and again, not me personally, but for me, great reference to Evil Dead 2, and we get a lot of uh, Ray fighting his hand. If you like that bit in Evil Dead 2 where Ash is fighting his hand, being possessed by the Deadites, then you'll love the A story of this episode.
0: You can have the Deadite stuff. I was really enjoying all the Indiana Jones stuff.
1: Uh, The Indiana Indiana Jones stuff was good, but I think it was a bit too on the nose because they kept referencing it. Like, give me one reference. And it's like, oh, your code name for this is Marion Ravenwood, and your thing for this is Dr. Henry Jones. And then, like, okay, we get it. And then, like, Nate kept referencing it multiple times.
0: I know because Nazis showed up and she was wearing the dress that, uh, Marion wore and, uh, I think at one point, but I'm not sure, uh, but as it was going on and then they do the whole scene where he, Nate's all hurt. So she's kissing him where he doesn't hurt. I'm like, I don't care. Give me, give me more. You, where you want your just one little groovy evil dead thing, I want all the Indiana Jones and I'm fine with it. And that once again is spelled I N D Y. So. Right. Uh, that you
1: love. That's you, right. I'm a dope. You, Leave me alone.
0: Yes. I'm like, yeah, did you, do you even watch these TV shows? I do. Um, But yes, yeah, so he ends up, they telling him, if you kill someone you love, then you'll, you'll forever soul be lost to me and I don't have to do it. So he was trying to kill Nate and in, in the bit of it, he's like, oh, uh, I'm, you're pretty much going to do it because you're not strong enough. And he goes, all right, if you promise to let him go, I'll, Let you not hurt him, which I think is going to be big later. I think because part of the promise was he can't hurt Nate. Nate's the one who can go after him. Do you know what I mean? Like there's nothing part of the deal that, that, uh, Neron can do to fight back at Nate. So he takes him and he also takes Gary for the other body that he wanted. Remember that like he was trying to get Nora's body for somebody. Yeah. And he brought them back in that. And I like it because they set up during the book. Club that Sarah's trying to explain that it's always the doormat who turns, and in it, Gary kind of accepts the whole thing of like Neron's deal because they show he's like, Well, if you kill, uh, Gary's like, If you kill somebody you love, uh, Ray, and Ray's like, Well, I like you, and all, and he's like, Oh, that's right, and Sarah thinks I'm a goof, and Ava hates me, and, uh you know, th- and I'm just John constantly plant, you know, sitter. And as they go down the list, and they they cut all those scenes together of how everybody craps on Gary. And I'm like, no, he's like, I will not be the doorman anymore. And this wasn't a great, like, one of the best episodes ever, but I do like how a lot of the stuff came together, if you know what I mean. Like, sometimes that really works. And he goes off with them with the Time Stone. I think they have the Time Stone. That's how they got away. And I was like, yeah, this is a really good episode. I I enjoyed it all around.
1: So last but not least, of course, is Cloak and Dagger. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tyrone and Tandy are both on their separate adventures in this. uh, With what we saw from last episode when Tandy came out of the Dark Force Dimension... And she brought back uh, Connors. Was that? Connors. Connors, the cop who killed Tyrone's brother. And now Tyrone is, of course, worried about what he's going to do now that he's out. Tandy has turned her attention to those missing girls. And again, of course, how what they're going through, as we saw, I'm not sure if it was the last episode or the one before that, where she touched them and saw that none of them had any hope after what they had gone through. Mm-hmm. So Tandy is now attempting to find, you know, who got them, where they are, and to trying to help them come along. So with Tyrone ends up coming, uh con- you know, having the confrontation with Connors, Connors essentially is like, here, turn, my- turn myself in. Here's all the evidence that you need against me. And nobody trusts him with, r- with good cause. And r- And while all that's going on, we have Tandy in some sort of like weird, airy, light flashback, something or other, telling a story about the farmer and the snake, and how it's kind of all lining up with what we're seeing with Tyrone and Connors, but maybe there's more to that.
0: Right, and while this is going on, Tandy goes, and she's going to, because apparently they think that someone is maybe pimping out these young girls or whatever and she goes like well she goes to the one uh one guy who runs the the, the therapy place that she goes to and she asks does he know anything he's like i can't tell you anything none of these girls want to talk to you so who maybe could she get near and she's like oh maybe my therapy group woman would know who it is who's been over the last couple episodes so she goes to her and she basically and this was great because you forget how much of a con artist Tandy was over the, you know, the beginning of season one and you kind of forget about it in season two. And she ends up like laying the line on her, like, but it's kind of true. She's like, I have this friend who I used to help rob people and we did all this. And she did have that guy that she, that she hung out to dry, uh, in season one. And she's telling the story. And so the, she's like, I'm going to go meet him. Can you help me? And she goes, and it turns out to, to be Tyrone that she called. And in one bit of a thing, like, you know, obviously, as we always talk about this show, we're both two, you know, 40 year old white guys. But Tandy goes like, I told her this whole story that I have a guy who pimps me out, blah, blah. blah. And he goes, of course, you got your black friend to do, to, to come. And she's like, that's, that's not why I, like, I brought you. He's like, yeah, sure. And I'm thinking to myself, he, yeah, he could say that. But in the end, who are Tandy's other friends that she would call? Right. I was like, okay, so I think she kind of has the the higher ground there for a second. But she ends up using this whole thing to get in the good graces of the therapist. And she goes, and she's like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was this. I had this guy who was bad. He made me who I'd do anything for, and eventually he asked me to do anything. And then he asked me to do some more and do some more and do some more, and I got away. And he's a drug guy. So she gets all the information, goes – and takes him out, but almost gets, you know, killed because of it, because there was more people. She comes out of the place, and there's the, the woman who's like, I thought you were going to do something. And as Tandy's telling the story in that other area that you're talking about, she it's basically the moral of the scorpion and the frog, but told differently. It's in my nature to betray or whatever. And you think it's going to be Connor, who wants to give everything up and go to jail. But it turns out it's the therapist who's the betrayer and ends up getting, uh, Tandy. And I was like, this once again is one of those brilliant, like brilliantly told episodes. It had me all the way until the stun gun. And I was like, this is really
1: good. I really like this episode. I saw that you (laughs) tweeted about the, uh, use of the last week. We had the hit me baby one more time cover. And this one was the shout cover, I think. Right. Okay, so I like this episode a lot. I feel as though sometimes they lean too much on the Tandy and Tyrone have a simple misunderstanding, argument, whatever, that could very easily be avoided or not happen at all just to separate them for the the episode.
0: I I agree with what you're saying, but Mm -hmm. I do believe in the plot it works because they're, too, they're too they're too laser focused on two different things
1: right and, and i get you where you're coming from for the plot but i think we've already ha- had it happen like three times this season mm-hmm. it, it seems to be a, a bit of a crutch for them to lean on where they could just very easily say like listen we have a lot on our plates you focus on this i'll focus on this and we'll reconvene when we have more information on these other two things well hey don't you want me to help you with this no no no. you can handle xyz better than i can handle abc perfect so if i don't immediately pick up my phone when you call you know it's probably because i'm deep in this same here all right friends partners booyah I i get you i don't i like the tension but that's me I I like the tension, too, but I just feel as though they use it too much as a crutch, especially so far this season. Mm -hmm. But there's a great episode. Cloak and Dagger's really good. Uh, I was telling people, you know, this weekend, pre-Avengers, when I was trying to find things to talk to people about before I got a chance to see Avengers Endgame, I was suggesting that they watch this.
0: Right. And, Joe, I don't know if you know this, the soundtracks almost is a character in the show.
1: Oh, my goodness. Stop it. I love the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack, too, but it's not its own character.
0: It is its own character, the way the Millennium Falcon is its own character.
1: The Millennium Falcon is its own character, though.
0: Right, just like the soundtrack in Cloak and Dagger. No. We can go around and around, but I don't think you want to. Right.
1: Now, if next week there's a cover of Round and Round by Rat, then...
0: (laughs) Can you imagine, like, a slow, like, just sad... Round and round... What goes around comes around. (laughs) There
1: there is a site or there's a YouTube channel or a guy or I don't know what it is that takes songs that you would never think would work Mm -hmm. like as a mashup or like kind of blended together. Mm -hmm. And there's a guy who took, uh, I heard it through the grapevine Mm -hmm. by uh, Marvin Gaye, and Round and Round by Rat, and blended them together, and it strangely works.
0: Just like Sweet Home Alabama and Werewolf of London works. Right.
1: When when you rhyme things with... with... Yeah, things with things. Yes. (sighs) Anyway. Yes. So, good crop of shows, but I think we're coming toward the end of a couple of them, right? I, I mentioned we got, like, what, four episodes of Legends of Tomorrow left? Mm -hmm. We got maybe six episodes of Flash, Flash, and I know we got five episodes of Cloak and Dagger left. Right. Then who knows what we'll do. Right. And then, of course, uh, not this upcoming week, but the week after that, we'll have our review of Detective Pikachu.
0: Are you going to see that? (laughs)
1: Of course. I'm going opening weekend.
0: Why? You don't like the old double R? Did you
1: know the double R is... Is going to be Pikachu? I've been told once or twice by a few people that yes.
0: Oh, okay. Just making sure.
1: Thank you, though. Thank you for letting me know.
0: You're welcome.
1: All right, everybody. So thank you very much for listening to episode 448 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week.
0: Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop. <laughs>